Welcome to episode 72 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. This is a place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we talk about a question that I got at a recent speaking engagement that made me think. We share a bit about our relationships with praise and validation. And we give you a question to consider when your need for praise puts your perfectionism into overdrive. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. Recently, I was giving a talk in Hinton, Alberta, and it was phenomenal. There was so much energy in the room. And after the talk, I had some incredible people ask if I would come for coffee with them and continue the conversation. And it's interesting because after I give talks to big groups, I'm beautifully exhausted, not just from the energy of the actual engagement, but the anticipation leading up to it. And yet I almost always say yes. If somebody wants to talk afterwards or go for coffee, I say yes. I see this as an incredible opportunity. I believe that the people in this room could be absolutely anywhere and they chose to come here to hear what I had to say. So I said, yes, I hopped in Jessica's car. Uh, It was not until I was in her car that I said, you're not going to take me somewhere and murder me, right? I feel like I should have checked this. And I knew we would be friends because what she said to me was, you're asking me this while you're already in my car. So I appreciate that I'm not the only one who listens to a lot of true crime podcasts and should have checked. Good news, didn't get murdered. Um, But I went to meet with her and two other people who were at the talk for coffee. We went to a cool, really cool shop in Hinton called King Drug, and it's an old pharmacy that was converted into a soda shop. So one of these women that I was sitting down with, uh, she is an expert in her industry and has been for a long time. She has recently gone on her own in the last six months, establishing her own business. So same industry, but under her own brand. And she asked me, what is the biggest difference between working for someone else and running your own business? And you'd think that this is a question that I'd have an answer prepared for. But there are definitely lots of differences. And I feel like some of them are obvious. I have more flexibility when I'm working for myself. I'm also accountable for more. I know that the quote unquote bottom line is up to me and my team and what I put in and the circumstances around me. And especially in the beginning, wearing all the different hats. I have said many a time before to people who work for others that if I don't work, I don't get paid. And also when people look at this life of flexibility and working for yourself, I'm also quick to go, but health benefits are amazing because I love those benefits. Um, When I stopped and thought about it, the biggest difference that I came up with had to do with validation. How am I validated and by whom? If you're a company of one or the leader, who does your performance review? Who's cheering you on when you're out of gas? 
who is giving you tools and resources to help you get to the next step or to learn something different? And who's high-fiving you when you nail a pitch or land an amazing client or get a dreamy testimonial? Who is the one telling you that you're doing a good job and that they're proud of you and lucky to have you on their team? Now, I realized two things here. First of all, simply being part of a team or working for somebody else does not mean that you're validated in these ways, right? We, we chuckled about it over coffee and said, oh, did you get that when you worked for someone else? Because maybe I have some rose-colored glasses on that, that I was always validated. I know that it isn't guaranteed, but I would say that being around other people and being part of a larger organization means that it might be more likely. I wouldn't say that I was overly validated when I worked for someone else, but I always knew I could go to somebody for advice, for help, for resources, for support. The second thing I realized is that these measures of validation, like performance reviews, are a really traditional form of validation and feedback. And they may not be relevant or the most important types of feedback. It's just where my brain went, that when I think of validation at work in a formal way, sometimes it's things like employee of the month. Sometimes it's a contest at work. Um, but in a formal way, it's usually a, a performance plan or looking at what have you accomplished? Where do you want to go next? Before I dig into my relationship with praise and validation, uh, Liz, you've gone from being an employee to a freelancer. Tell me about your relationship with feedback or validation or praise, whatever your word of choice is. I will use all three of those words. And it's funny when, when I think of validation or praise, you go employee of the month or performance review, I go who's sitting at the desk next to me saying, good job on that. Like really quick little things. That's what I think of because I had that a lot in the last environment that I was in. And so I think of that. And so when I think in that scenario, I give myself validation and praise most often, which is a strange thing to think about. I talk to myself. It doesn't mean that I'm going, Hey, Liz, nice job today. I don't actually verbalize it, but I do pat myself on the back or toot my tires, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. So working in an office or on a team, it's so easy to, to do those quick little sentences, pass someone in the hall and like, good job in that meeting. Good job in that pitch. Uh, It's just so easy to do. Or there are digital tools where you can give shout outs uh, to highlight each other and the work that you're doing internally. Working on your own is so much different. And it's not to say that I don't get stuff from my clients because I do. But the reason they hire me is because they don't have time or expertise to manage their digital properties. So Until they see the end results of my work, they may not always realize how kick-ass it is along the way. So I have to do that for myself. Or I'll turn to friends who get it, who understand what I do, or my partner who gets it, and I'll do some bragging. So I hear that from others as well. But a lot of times, I just have to give it to myself. That's interesting, um, the result thing. But first, is that enough for you to get it from yourself? I think so. I've never really thought about it before. This was an interesting episode to prep for uh, because I've never really contemplated this before. But I think that it is. I I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I still have the proper drive that I think that I require. I don't think that I I necessarily need it from others to keep going. It's a lovely, 
that's a lovely bonus and a nice little boost when I do receive it, but I don't know if it's necessary for me. As somebody who needs this validation and wants this praise, I struggle because often I find myself having to ask for it. And that can be met with some challenges. Before we dig into that, I want to know, Liz, you're, you're very much on the nose here. So people hire you when they're out of time or they don't have expertise. And so I wonder, do you think that the validation has to come at the end when they see the results? Or do you want it or need it in the middle? Do you think that some of the people who hire you are just so in it that they're like, great, it's off my plate. I don't have to think about it. Therefore, I don't validate, praise, give feedback. So, so my work is really, my work is really interesting in this way because social media, digital comms is such a long game uh, that often if I'm looking for reassurance as to whether or not the work is good, I have data that tells me that. So I don't always need to hear from the people directly. Right. Often my work is, is built on community building and brand awareness and to some extent conversions. I do a lot of organic social media work, which is less driving conversions or, or driving sales, but it does contribute to that. So sometimes the business owner will see the direct results of my work right away, but often because it is such a long game, they may not realize for a couple of months, holy shit, this is doing incredible things for my business. So I don't hear that until way later on. And if I feel the urge that I need some sort of validation midway, well, then I can look to see the website visits as a result of the content I've created, or I can see how the community's grown. I have this weird space where I can look at numbers and like a nerd rely on the data as a form of, of validation if I need that. I love that. That was an angle I hadn't considered. You have proof. You have actual numbers and data that says, yes, I'm doing a good job. Here it is on paper. So I wonder if that in some ways makes it easier that you don't need that verbal praise or you don't need that good job pat on the back. You can give it to yourself. And if at any point you're lacking it, let's go to the data because data doesn't lie. That's very cool about, about your industry and something I hadn't considered. If, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that one of my biggest fears in life is getting in trouble. And I have shared how in junior high, my friend Sherea was mad at me. And so I baked her a pie because I felt so bad. Uh, and the reason that this is relevant is because these two things I find are kind of working together. My biggest fear in life is getting in trouble. And the inverse is also true, which is that I love to be praised. I love feedback. I love praise. Uh, and I've learned that sometimes I have to ask for it to get what I want. Now, personal story, I have seen probably 10 episodes of The Simpsons in my life. And this is relevant for two reasons. Liz, I believe you know this story. Uh, when I was nine or 10 years old, I remember that I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. And I checked with my mom yesterday and said, can you tell me again why? I just want to make sure my facts are right. She said, because it was obnoxious. And as an adult, this will probably be controversial. 
I, I don't think she's wrong. I think it is kind of an obnoxious show. It's just not for me, but that's fine. My mom used to work on Wednesday evenings and one Wednesday night, I remember I watched an episode. This is like the baddest thing I had ever done. And I remember it being a Halloween episode and finding it terrifying. When my mom got home, I told on myself, (laughs) I admitted to watching it. I told her that it was scary and I validated her decision. I praised her and said, you were right for not letting me watch it. I was so afraid of getting in trouble that I actually narked on myself and then peppered it in with praise for my mom saying, great parenting, mom. (laughs) It's funny to think about a 10-year-old doing this. And like I said, when I asked my mom about this, she said, this is good. You have a conscience. But she said, it also explains why you're terrible at keeping secrets. So so there's my fear of getting in trouble, uh, clearly illustrated. The second reason I bring up The Simpsons is because a couple nights ago, my husband said, you have to watch this particular episode. And it's where the teachers go on strike. And Lisa starts becoming unraveled. Liz is just nodding her head here and smiling because this feels very familiar. And she is just kind of losing it and she's walking around the house and she has her strike emergency kit and she's teaching herself things which there was a strike when I was in grade eight and I remember coming home and trying to teach myself how to do integers as though when we came back from the strike we would have been expected to do all those units I didn't quite compute that we would have to still learn the curriculum so Lisa is running around the house and in the kitchen, she goes to her mom and she says, evaluate me, rank me, grade me. And Robin just looks at me with this smile on the couch. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I love to be praised. I love to be validated. And again, this isn't new information to me. I love feedback. And yet when I say feedback, I mean, I'm still a human. So really I want the positive kind. When I see the like things you've excelled at and then areas for improvement, I of course obsess over the areas of improvement and my best report card or performance review has that section empty. And it just says, don't worry, you're perfect. Even though I know that's not the reality. For me, when I don't get this validation, praise feedback, I can feel lost. And that an absence of feedback actually means negative feedback. And my brain automatically jumps to there's something I've done wrong. And sometimes when I ask for it, I can easily sound desperate or insecure. So in all of my presentations, every single slide deck that I do, I have done this since I was a high school teacher. I end a lecture, a talk with questions, concerns, compliments. And it usually gets a chuckle or an eye roll. Sometimes it gets both. Um, But more often than not, somebody will give me a compliment. And I feel that there's this big exhale at the end. More than anything, I I use it for humor. I use it to have some lightheartedness about it. I've also learned that sometimes I have to ask for what I want. But what happens when it goes too far? And this is something that I have been struggling with because my husband and I had this conversation all the time where I'm like, can you tell me that you're proud of me? And he's like, I can, but aren't you proud of yourself? Can you just tell yourself like you did a great job? I'm proud of you. 
And I can, but I also think that I want more. So here's where it becomes a problem and when it goes too far. And yes, for any concerned listeners, I have had this conversation with a therapist and continue to because it's something on my mind all the time. Sometimes I find myself in need of praise so much that I will overextend myself to anticipate the needs of others so that I can save the day. So if I know what somebody is going through or I know that there's an important day or an important moment, I will go above and beyond to make something work, to do something special, often at the cost of my own sense of self. And by sense of self, I mean, I look at what other people need before I look at my own needs. I look at what I should be doing instead of what I actually want to do so much so that sometimes I've lost the sense of what do I actually want to do? What is important to me? I can't always answer that question. I will go so far just to make sure that others are okay. And the other side of that is that if I'm taking care of others, I know that they aren't mad or disappointed in me. It's this sort of twisted logic that too much of a good thing still feels like a good thing. So I keep doing it. And this is where we run into dangerous territory. As somebody who has been burnt out, as somebody who feels like they've neglected themselves, there's this false belief that if we just do everything right, and if we're perfect, and we make all the correct decisions in the correct order, then inevitably we will be admired and validated by everyone. And it creates a hell of a lot of pressure. And any sense of perfectionism just goes into high gear. It's this really dangerous cocktail of having some perfectionist tendencies, wanting everything to be right and perfect, and assuming that if we're perfect, then we get praise, which only kicks into high gear that we have to do things perfectly. Liz, how does, tell us a little bit about your sense of perfectionism and then how does it relate to praise? I am a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I will capital P perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) We're type A plus. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an, I'm an A plus capital P perfectionist. Yes. Uh, And I think if If I set out to do work and I want validation from an external source for that, I think if I'm not careful, constantly striving for that validation while also balancing this capital P perfectionism can be a trap. I like knowing that I'm doing a good job. Everybody does. But because I'm more reliant on giving myself that praise, or turning to people who understand me and, and getting praise from them. I don't always require that validation, which means I do like to make sure my work is perfect, but my perfectionism around what I create isn't tied to the praise. It doesn't mean that the perfectionism does not exist, but it's, it's less about what others see as the end result in order to receive that validation and more about the validation I give myself at the end of the day around what I've created and whether or not it was good. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm pausing because I'm I'm seeing a a different side of things, Mm. right? Because I know you and I are very similar in some ways in we are capital P perfectionists. We are a type A plus and 
yet there's this, like, I feel like I need this more. Mm. And I don't, I don't have the answer. The reason we're talking about this is because as I was working on a plan for this episode, I'm like, do I want to share this? Do I not? I'm like, somebody else out there is feeling this. It cannot be me. Absolutely. And the, in the beautiful words of my therapist, we are, what does she say? We are as needy as our unmet needs. Mm. So like, there's a reason that this counts to me. I remember when I was in high school, uh, my teacher had a poster at the back of the room called the hundred percent club. So anytime you got a hundred percent on a test, your name would go up there and it destroyed me that like I could get a 98, but I couldn't get that hundred percent. And so that, that perfectionism in some ways then stalls me from doing what actually matters. I was that kid in school that would have absolutely killed me. I would have needed the sticker. I'm just not that person anymore. Right. Okay. So what changed? I have no Give me idea. your magic elixir. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what changed. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if it's just because I am on my own now as a freelancer. It's just, I don't get that from other people. So I'm just more self-reliant now. I'm not sure what it is, but the idea of the 100 club and getting 99 on a test and not getting that sticker would kill me. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm, I'm just less like that now. And that's what I think is so interesting here, because I, even though I wouldn't say I've, I've changed or transformed in any way, out of necessity, I've had to find other ways. So yes, I also have to praise myself and be proud of myself. My husband and I on Fridays do toot your tires, where we have an opportunity to brag about what went really well in our weeks. And I definitely like, I have, I have a friend group where we have a, a text chat, but it's like, can I brag? Is this a safe space to, to toot my tires? Like, yeah, I, I did this thing. It went amazing. Funny story on when I was in Hinton for this talk, I was just on top of the world at the end of it. I felt so good and was so proud. And I went to text my husband, I fucking nailed it, but I accidentally texted myself. So a couple hours later, Robin was like, Hey, you okay? I haven't heard from you. How did it go? And I was like, oh, I, I meant to text you this. I clearly texted myself. And he's like, well, good. You're praising yourself. <laughs> so in some ways, I've had to find ways to almost detox from this praise because it's not always available. I'm also not looking for somebody to tell me that I'm awesome at everything all the time. But in order to find my sense of self and figure out what's really important to me, I have to pull back because I found myself a little bit addicted to it and it slows me down because instead of doing what I want to do, I'm out here looking for my next hit of validation. So for me, it's how do I gather enough feedback that helps me make an informed decision, but not so much that I do what somebody else would do instead of me. For me, it's also figuring out whose praise and validation I really need and where it matters. There are certain life compartments that will always matter more than others. I care much more about my competence when I'm on stage giving a talk or if I'm in a workshop than I do if someone praises the state of my home because I value one more than the other, right? I I care a lot less if someone's like, wow, your house is so clean. That doesn't really matter. In fact, it's often not super clean. And so people will make a comment. I say, it's messy because we live here. 
and ask for a pass because that doesn't bother me. That's one area of my life where I don't need to be a perfectionist. So what? We've spent 20 minutes here talking about this and I can't be the only one that slides into some heavy duty perfectionism when we're looking for validation. This is where I have to ask myself and I encourage you to ask yourself, what are you trying to prove and to whom? And I will tell you that that hits me in the guts. It sounds like such a negative question. What are you trying to prove? It sounds almost argumentative to me in a way that I have to like step back and go, oh, right, I don't have to prove anything. Nobody matters but myself, but sometimes it's okay. What am I trying? I'm trying to prove that I'm really good at my job to this brand new audience of people that I care about and want to do more work with. So it does matter. That does get my perfectionism, but not everything does. So an example from my life around this, what am I trying to prove? I will think about being invited to something. And I have to kind of examine, do I want to go out because I feel like it? Or do I want to go out to prove to others that I'm out? An example also in in my business, do I want to post about everything I do in a day? Or do I want to post what I'm doing to prove to others that I'm out in the world doing cool things. I find this incredibly challenging in social media. Liz, you know this, you've heard me talk about this, cry about this. There's a reason that you take this part on for me. And there are definitely moments where I see what other people are doing online and I imagine, well, they must think that I have this super boring life. Or I don't share about my child on Instagram, therefore I don't do anything fun with her. Or she's not very cute. She's very cute. I can't be the only one who feels this way online, that there is this pressure to post something and you get the hearts and the comments and the likes. If somebody is trying to pull away from that or detox from that, even while they're still seeing other people do it. What do you recommend people do with their phones or their relationships with social media? I mean, I think I was going to say an easy thing to do, but it's not an easy thing to do. It's just get rid of Instagram. Get it off of your phone. If it's something that is impacting the way that you live your life and you feel like you're in this constant comparison, either delete the app or hide it on another page on your phone. And, you know, if you feel the need that you need to check it, only check it from your desktop. Cause I feel like everyone spends far less time on their computers than they do on their phones. I, there are, or set limits in the app. I think there are things that you can do. And then you have to be honest with yourself about staying within those boundaries because it's so easy to just then ignore those boundaries that you've set. But if it's something that you feel is really starting to have an impact on your overall well-being and how you choose to live your life, then maybe Instagram is, is becoming higher on the priority list than it needs to be. And maybe that app should, should be moved or deleted or, or set some rules for yourself. Mm-hmm. We are people who love rules and these tools exist, right? 
uh, Instagram is not on my home screen. It's an app that when I want to look at it, I actually pull my thumb down and I have to type in I N and I, I search for it every time because I try to spend less time on it. One thing that I did, um, there was an event on the weekend that I was like, Oh, I, I wish we would have gone. Should we have gone? I feel guilty for not going, but I knew I wasn't ready. Yada, yada. I just didn't look at Instagram the next day because I knew I was going to see all the stories about it. So I had to intentionally say like, this is going to make me feel worse. On my drive to Hinton, I listened to season two of the Under the Influence podcast with Joe Piazza. We'll link to it in the show notes. It was a really fascinating take on influencers and social media, but mainly with regards to having children on social media and putting kids on there and what it looks like. And the episode that I last listened to was about a couple women who pulled their kids completely from Instagram and what that was like, not only from the perspective of validation and praise, but also from a, I just want to show off my cute kid. Am I doing something wrong? So that is a a fascinating listen and certainly triggered some thoughts in me because I have shared that as a new parent, sometimes I I feel this urge to share more because I want someone to say, oh, you have such a cute baby. I want someone to say, oh, that must be really challenging working part-time and parenting full-time and you and your partner have negotiated this great thing. And I also go, but does that make me a better parent? Does that make me a better entrepreneur? Does it make me a better wife? Does it make me a better human? No. Like, what am I trying to prove by doing that? And can I find that somewhere else? So I can't tell you if one one version of, do I post everything because I want to, or do I do it because I'm trying to prove something? I can't tell you if one is more right or healthier or more valuable. And I can't tell you what you're feeling or your reasons for needing to be validated. But what I can tell you is that when I feel this way, when I feel caught up in looking for praise so much that I forget what I want, and I try to do everything perfectly, I bring it back to the question, what am I trying to prove? And it forces me to slow it down. This is a fascinating conversation to me, Liz. And I think that it it comes at a really great time in the year where people start to think about New Year's resolutions. We're trying to like go strong for the last month of the year. And It just brings up a lot of like, okay, so what do I want to be able to do next year? How do I want to finish this year strong? So my hope is that to the people who are listening, the next time you have to make a decision or you feel unsure about a choice you have to make, you can put yourself in a position to ask, what am I trying to prove and to whom? And to see if you are honest with yourself, what action you choose to take next. As we wrap up episode 72. I am here to tell you that don't ask, don't get is working like a charm. It continues to work. For the last few months, I have added this ask at the end of each podcast episode saying, if you know a conference event or company that's looking for an engaging speaker to present big ideas, I'm here for you. And guess what? It's working. So a big thank you to the people who have reached out to me already for inviting me into your spaces to work with your teams. I am beautifully validated. I did a a talk last week and a beautiful woman named Wendy said to me, you make boring shit fun. I said, yeah, 
check mark thank you not only am i praised and validated but i can now pass that on to other people so i am here asking again i am booking speaking engagements for 2023 and i love to make boring shit fun i am here to customize topics to meet your team where they're at your goals and help you get the results and impact that you want from team of one to team of infinity. I'm here for it. So check out theamandawagner.com for some of my core topics and fill out that contact form. I will be in touch. You can also DM me on Instagram at theamandawagner. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms or your digital properties better, you want to share your story with the world, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, lizpittman.com. Liz, this was a a kick-ass episode. I am just excited to do the next one. We're recording our second episode today. We still have a sleeping baby, which is always a delight. Don't jinx it. (laughs) Don't jinx it. Knock on everything, folks. She's still sleeping. We will be back in two weeks with that episode, episode 73. And until then, friends, we will see you on the internet. The internet is a tough place. Oh yeah. I legit didn't look. I was like, I can't see from this thing. Cause I'm just going to get jealous. I'm like that doesn't serve me. Totally. I, uh, I mute people now too. Every once in a while. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't feel like having you as part of my, uh, mm-hmm. online perspective or my online world. I just mute them. I need to use that a little bit more. I need to use that. I mostly just mute stories because those are the ones that are like up in the face. I feel like the grid is less of a, less of a big deal. So when you mute someone, you can choose to mute their stories or their stories and posts. And I usually just mute stories. Do they know? Mm -mm. No, I'll show you how. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Love your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, grandma.